Okay, so Colossians. Now I'm going to do this a little bit old school. I've got a, a paper device here, and I, you know, you have most of the time I use my you know, cell phone like everybody else. Isn't it, isn't it fantastic that you can have on your phone the entire Word of God in several versions? I mean, the, the people who first did the Gutenberg Bible, what would they think of that? What would Wycliffe? He was the one that really, he was actually martyred for it, was so convinced that the entire world, every person in the world needed the scripture, that he pushed for it to be published in whatever languages it could be published in. What would he think of that? It'd be fantastic, right? Um, I've always wanted to take Benjamin Franklin in a ride in my car, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know, that's just kind of a fantasy that I have. So... Take the Word of God, turn to the book of Colossians, turn to chapter 4, advance. This, uh, these studies in Colossians have been to move us forward in our understanding of what it is to live the Christian life, what it is as far as our attitudes, what it is as far as our actions, what it is as far as our desires, and what we're covering, the big idea we're covering today is that part of that is to live our life in a way that advances the gospel. To live our life in a way that moves the kingdom of God forward. Okay? Because we are, you know, a lot of you may be from a Baptist background and as a younger person probably saying, onward Christian soldiers a bunch of times, right? Lamar's nodding. He said, yep, yeah, that's a good old one. Now, Let's review a little bit about what Colossians has taught us. I think the best way to review it is to go to Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 9 through 14, which I believe sort of puts everything in a nutshell of what Colossians is teaching. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's the Christian life in a nutshell. Godly knowledge, godly wisdom, that expressing itself through our lives, us living our life understanding that we already have been moved from earthly kingdoms into a heavenly kingdom. It exists in a spiritual sense, but it's real nonetheless. We are joint heirs with Christ, seated at the right hand of God. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, makes that plain. And if you don't know, we're going to go back to Ephesians a couple of times. Um, if you read Ephesians and Colossians, you realize that they sound a lot like each other, and they do. They almost exactly parallel each other in their structure and their subject matter. Um, but Ephesians is a little beefier. Okay, So... This morning, I'll go back to Ephesians in some places just to get a little more beef. Okay. 
So Colossians is kind of like the shorter form of Ephesians. Well, let's take a look at this. Let's, let me read this to you. I'm going to start in chapter 4. I'm going to close this letter out. I'm going to start in verse 2 and close the letter out. So here's the word of the Lord. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's take a look at the last part. The, the part that in your Bible probably has a heading that says final greetings. So this is a whole list of, of names, Okay. And what do we get from that? Well, we, we get a small window into Paul's ministry team. There's some names in there that you recognize, right? Luke, the beloved physician. Luke uh, traveled with Paul. He was Paul's scribe. Uh, Luke was also a physician. Um, reading between the lines of other scriptures, we, we get the distinct impression that Paul had some health issues. And so Luke tended to those, as well as being his scribe. You notice the last part of the letter says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. There's another one of the letters of Paul that says, see with what big letters I'm writing. And that was the indication that it was Paul's own hand. Okay, um, this leads us to conclude that one of the health issues that Paul had was with his eyesight. Thus, he needed a scribe as he dictated the words. Um, Luke, as you know, wrote the Gospel of Luke, wrote the book of Acts, and then transcribed most all of Paul's letters. Um, 
There's, uh, who else? Mark. It talks about Mark. Uh, this, is, this is the, uh, in Acts, it's John, who was also called Mark. Okay. Uh, person, two names. It's, it's my middle son's name. Um, the, the boy's so nice, we named him twice. Yeah, that's going to embarrass him if he's watching. But, so John, who is also called Mark. You need to maybe look at that story if you don't already know it. There was a time in the book of Acts, you can read about a time where Paul thought they ought to go one way and take this person. Um, Barnabas thought they ought to go another way. Uh, Barnabas wanted, a per- wanted this person, Mark, John, who was also called Mark, to join them. But Paul said, no, remember when he abandoned us? So we're not taking him. Well, they, they parted ways. So Paul and Silas right, went one direction, and Barnabas and Mark went the other direction. Later, what you find is you find a statement from Paul says, tell Mark to come and join me because he's useful to me. And, and so this is whatever happened to John, who's also called Mark, he came back to his dedication to the ministry and then became one of the most useful ones in Paul's ministry team. That's a great story. There's other people here. They obviously have different roles. Some, they were prayer warriors. Some, they were travel companions. One was even there in the jail cell with Paul. There was a woman, Nympha, who had started a church in her house. Okay, so you get an impression here. This is a ministry team. So we're going to go back then to verse 2. Because this is just an example of what, how the kingdom of God advances. It advances because people take it and advance it, right? So go back to chapter 4, verse 2. Verse 2 through 4. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So here, here are instructions to the Colossians and to us. Pray for the ministers of the gospel. Pray that they would have an open door to preach the word. Pray that they would be able to clearly declare the mystery of Christ. This idea of the mystery of Christ, we're going to come back to in a minute. So this is, you know, we all ought to be prayer warriors. Not not all of the believers in that time could take off and hit the road with Paul. Not all of us can be full-time ministers, for example, like our Pastor Kevin. Not all of us can, can... do daily with our hands and our minds the ministry of the gospel, but we can support those who do, particularly through prayer. And what we need to do is we need to say, give Kevin the wisdom to declare the mystery of Christ accurately, clearly. Pray for Josh and Robin and Christian and whoever else. So, Pray for those who are teaching the word. Then let's go to verse 5. In verse 5, it gets more personal toward us, though. 
Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Okay. If you recall Kevin saying, that when you see in the scripture, walk in, blah, blah, blah. Walk in faith. <clears throat> walk as children of God. You know, that means to, to live your life as. When the scripture says walk in, walk as, it's talking about live in, live as. So we are to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Now let's go to the book of Ephesians. That first one there, making the best use <clears throat> of the time. What's that about? Um, in the parallel book of Ephesians, it puts a little meat on that. Okay, so if you go to book of Ephesians, chapter 5, <clears throat> the last phrase in verse 8, this is where we're going to start. It says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Okay, so this is... And then, then we're going to go down to uh, verse 14. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. By the way, that was, <clears throat> that was a hymn. That was one of their choruses that they sang in church back in that time. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Thank you. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. What this is referring to is let's recognize what's going on around us. Let's recognize that time is short. For any given person, time might be very short. You don't know when, when God will take someone. So this is an idea of as we live our life, we keep our eyes and ears open for people who may be questioning spiritual things and may be seeking and maybe indicating that they have an interest, and maybe opening a door. As Paul said, open doors for the word. These things come across our own lives. And then, you know, for, for my own life, um, most of the time in my Christian life, the idea of being evangelist, being an evangelist has terrified me. Maybe terrified is too strong a word, okay? Um, I was always a bashful, shy kid. 
and I am a bashful, shy adult. Don't let being a musician fool you. Don't let being comfortable talking in front of crowds fool you. Uh, I don't, I'm bashful and shy, but I don't have stage fright. Okay? But fundamentally, as a person, I'm a loner, and I'm uncomfortable. Uh, it, it showed up early. My mother says that when I was three years old, I was like that. Whenever it came time to sell candy bars, chocolate bars, to raise money for the high school band, or I was terrified. I hated that. What we did when I was in high school, we sold oranges. Oranges from Florida, cases and cases of oranges. I never sold one box. I was the kind of salesman that knocked on the door and said, you don't want to buy any of these, do you? <laughs> All right. And then I hated it when my kids would come home with their fundraising projects for the high school choir or the, the wrestling team. Oh, I hated that. And I hated when they would ask me, Dad, could you take a box of these chocolate bars to the office? It's like, oh, gosh, I don't want to go to the office and ask my co-workers to buy stuff for my kids. And, and so I would find ways out of it. I would go to the printer, and I'd print a sign, and I'd put the box in the break room, and I'd put the sign up that says, this is for blah, blah, blah. You leave a dollar in the envelope. You know, that worked, okay. After a few years of working together, we were all just giving each other money because, you know, if, if, if they weren't supporting my kids, I was supporting theirs. But anyway, this whole idea, and, and I've gone to the Sunday night classes as a, as a new believer in a very vibrant church. I've gone to the, uh, what are some of the names? The Evangelism Explosion Program. What's another name? Somebody. Um, the Roman Road. The... Um, they always have these dynamic names. It's kind of like going to, uh, you know, going to one of these, you know, self-help performance seminars, right? They teach you techniques. They try to make you a salesman. And what I realized was that's not, I'm never going to be a salesman. In fact, the company I worked for, they first hired me to salesman. I failed miserably. But they found another position for me, and I'm thankful. I'm not a salesman. And I don't think we're supposed to be salesmen. What does the scripture say? The scripture says that no one comes to the Father lest he be drawn. Okay? So really, what I have found is that what's been most fruitful for me is just not considering people who are unsaved as projects, but being genuinely interested in a person, to have a relationship with them, to get to know them, to meet any of their needs if I can. That can be anything from giving them a ride to the airport to actually giving them advice on something. You know, and if the conversation turns towards spiritual matters, I will be ready. I will be ready. But it's not my responsibility to create those scenarios. So, this is speaking to us. How can we advance the kingdom of God? How can we advance the spread of the gospel? It's mainly by being awake and available. So let's move on then. Let's talk about this being awake and available. Because that, we actually have to speak at some point or another. 
Thank you, brother, for the water. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5 again. Let's take... Uh, no, I'm sorry. Go back to uh, Colossians. You know, verse 6 of Colossians 4. What's this business about salty speech? Speak graciously and seasoned with salt. Have you heard? I mean, that rings a bell, doesn't it? Salty speech, what in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? It's, it's just good to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. This idea of you are the salt of the earth, salty speech. But do I mean salty as in, you know, he's a, he's a salty sailor? That kind of speech, no. That's, you know, or, or I, think, I think the kids would say spicy. He, he was talking spicy there. But anyway, um, I'll, stop. I'll stop embarrassing James right now. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's take a look at something that you know, kind of trip, you know. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. I'll just read it to you. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Okay? That it may give grace to those who hear. Not corrupting talk. No, this is a, this is a challenge. You know, it's a challenge when you're with your buddies. You know, the people that I meet with more often than anyone else that's not in my family is a group of guys that I've had coffee with for the last four or five years. They come from all walks of life. I mean, one guy, he's a, he's a sure enough biker of the kind of biker that you typically don't want to come across. Not just some middle-aged, middle-class guy who's a biker on the weekend. You know, the weekend leather vest-wearing Harley rider? No. This is a real biker. There's, you know, people from all walks of life. Sometimes the conversation's a little rough, but I'm sure it was when Christ was having dinner with prostitutes and tax collectors. Okay? And I'm sure that he was propounding wisdom when it came up. Whoever asked a question. And, and that's been a joy in my life. I mean, these are good friends now after all these years. These are very good friends. I know it's kind of like the old show Cheers and that theme song, you know. You just want a place where everybody knows your name. And that's kind of what it feels like. We're friends. We know each other's families. We know each, about each other's lives. And over the years, a few times, not many, the conversation has turned towards spiritual things, sometimes with even a direct question. Robin, do you believe God is real? Well, that's when you say yes. That's when you give, what does the scripture say? Give a reason for the hope that is in you. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Well, you don't have to turn there. It's a just short verse. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 12. You know, sometimes these interactions, you do get challenged about your faith, okay? You get ridiculed. Uh, that can happen. It's not like it's all 
bed of roses out there for believers in our culture. But hear the word of the Lord. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always, here it is, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ Jesus may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Okay, so in those, in those situations, you can, you can join in maybe some off-color stuff, and then someone can challenge you later and say, ah, you know, he's just a hypocrite. Uh, well, which is worse, to be called a hypocrite or to be, or to be called, you know, a freak because of your faith? Well, I think it's, you know, it's to be called a freak because of your faith. So, and the scriptures here are saying, don't be afraid of that. But when you speak, when you speak, you're not Bible bashing. You're speaking with respect and graciousness. So when we're having these conversations, you know, here's the thing. So, yeah, suppose that I'm invested in the people I'm with. God has arranged it so that they are starting to be drawn. They're starting to ask me about Jesus. They're starting to ask me about spiritual things. Then what do I say? You know, Paul, talks, Paul says to clearly declare the mystery of Christ. Well, you think, okay, the mystery of Christ. You know, I, I'm not a theologian. Um, you know, I know what I believe, but do I know it well enough to explain it to somebody else? Uh, if, you know, I have a, a defect, if you want to call it that, where it's very hard to memorize things. I'm, a, I'm like a walking card catalog, if you remember what that is. I'm a walk, you know, I know where to find stuff. And that makes up for not being able to memorize things. Although I still don't know why I can remember every word to the theme song to Gilligan's Island. And yet I can't remember sometimes my children's names. I don't know what that's all about. But I've been beating myself up several times over my Christian faith. I always start these scripture memory programs. I can't do that. I mean, I can, okay? I can remember stuff. But somehow it's easy for some people to memorize stuff. It's hard for me. You know, most of you are reconciled folks here in the morning, you know, shadow folks or whatever, you haven't seen me really in action as a worship leader. I'm like, a, in, there's like an inside joke among the discovery folks. Because when I'm a worship leader, I'm going to get, the words are not going to match what's on the screen. I have somehow this mental block where I cannot memorize lyrics to songs. And it's like this when you're, you know, when you're on the worship team and I'm leading, 
you're singing what's on the page, and then something else comes out of my mouth, and you go, that ha-. So, does that keep somebody, should that keep you from preaching the gospel? Because I guarantee you, if you've been faithful to put this into here, you know enough to bring someone along whom Christ is already calling anyway. Okay? You don't have to be the one that gets it perfect. You probably already know enough to where you can get started. And then if they dig deeper and need to know more, you have a Bible. You could point them to places. Yes, read this book enough that you know where things are. I'm going to give you an example. Okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to recite something to you. Now, it's going to start off with something that all of you know. And then it's going to continue. And it's going to be like a lesson on the mystery of Christ. And see how much of it you recognize. And when, and when I say a bit that you know, that, you, that thrills you, say amen, say that's right, agree with it, agree out loud. But see how much of this you actually recognize, okay? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We all know that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God the Son, Christ Jesus, Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin, and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Who then shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us 
from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor viruses, nor political unrest and riots, nor nor forest fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, heat waves, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? That's the mystery of Christ. That's the gospel. Now, I read it to you, and I was stitching together, and and you may know this, I was stitching together John chapter 3, Philippians chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 8, verses from those, from those passages. And I was reading, reading them to you as they appear in the Scripture, but you know what? I've read them enough that I can get close to it. If I don't have my Bible with me, or if it's awkward to whip one out, these truths, I can get close enough to where God can use them. And I can put it in my conversation... And when the opportunity arises, I can say them. And you can too. You can advance the kingdom of God. As Colossians has taught us, by knowing what the will of God is, walking with spiritual wisdom and understanding and knowledge, understanding your place in the kingdom of God, understanding the security of your salvation, keeping an eye on how you are behaving, how you are responding, and always being ready to give a defense for the hope that you have. This is the tool. Read it over and over again. Get it in here. Even if you can't memorize Scripture, the truth of what's here will come to mind when you need it. Father, I pray that you would make us active servants, communicators of the truth of the gospel, that your kingdom would advance, that we would grow in our faith and our confidence. In Christ's name, amen.